Welcome back to this brand new episode of the TTU Times podcast. Today, we have Rahul Verma, a graduate in production and industrial engineering from the class of 2016 at Delhi Technological University. After his graduation, he worked as the manager of production planning and inventory control at Trident Group India. After that, he pursued his masters in psychology from Indira Gandhi National Open University. and is currently working in a number of roles psychologist at curador neurocare tele mental health counselor at covid response self organized mediator at granny cloud and a few more he has been actively involved in helping people by listening to them assisting them in evaluating the situation and eventually helping them lead emotionally richer lives we will be talking about several things today what tipped the scales in favor of psychology after pursuing an engineering degree his views on the indian mental health scenario how the pandemic has affected the mental health of several people and much more so let's get started all right sir so how were your four years at dtu like and what exactly led you to choose production and industrial engineering at dtu right so the four years were actually quite amazing um i think all the dtu students would agree to this um also production was not my first choice it was actually civil i don't know why but somehow uh, it started with that race that starts uh, when 10th class starts and everyone wants to be an engineer um so i was one of those students so i joined fitji and prepared very hard and the rank i got um was i think 12000 something something uh 12409 uh and production was the like the cutoffs Uh, were like that um, that um, enabled me to get production i think production was the best branch uh, yeah so i liked the branch afterwards because it was a mix of engineering and sort of management and so not a purely technical one um, unlike mechanical so yeah so that way it was good and the internships i did and the time i spent i think it's very very memorable and i cannot forget those four years they are very close to my heart yeah overall yeah um okay so um how did you first become interested in psychology was it sometime during your time at dtu or was it uh, later on in life after yeah so time? the twist with psychology actually started in 2005 when my um sister elder sister i have two elder sisters one of which is 11 years elder to me and one of which is 13 years elder so um that sister which is 11 years elder that uh, she she um acquired a mental illness during her college days and that is actually a very serious mental illness if you read about it it's called schizophrenia and um, there on when i when i witnessed that in the house like in my own house a serious mental illness um that's when the interest started so it was in 2005 when i was still um 10 years old around and i knew nothing and i was just observing it and nothing else so i think it got registered there but but it didn't manifest until um I quit my job so my job started in um June 2016 and I quit my job after 7 months in January uh, 2018 and there on I uh, was looking for something challenging in my life till then psychology was not any option um it was not in any of my plans and and um, I was looking for something challenging and civil services was the most challenging thing around so i decided to prepare for it and we have to take an optional subject in civil services for those preparing uh, they know this and i chose psychology because of the very same reason i guess 
and it it started as an interest and and become i think has now become a sort of passion you can say that and and civil services faded away because i didn't clear it in the first two attempts and psychology um i think it found you know like very deeper roots in myself and and the connect i found here is uh is something that i found nowhere yeah all right sir so um as you said that while you were five, uh, in tw- uh, in 25 in 2005 uh, you were first interested in psychology so uh, what we have seen around us is that often students from stem fields are not very inclined towards careers in humanities or arts but a psychology so what do you think brings about this mindset and how did you overcome this particular stereotype right so um, in my school days psychology was not an option humanities was non existent it was just commerce and science so like from the start psychology was not there right and the i think the when i was contemplating about why i chose psychology why i chose to to pursue a career in psychology was um, because from somewhere it was like a pebble in my shoe um that i couldn't be there for my sister and and that is that's what created a spark um so i couldn't be there for my sister so i can be there for someone else who might be struggling through such a problem and um the stigma is huge i guess during like we haven't still told any of our relatives about my sister's mental health condition she is uh, she has improved over the years and her prognosis has been good and she is fairly independent she doesn't want to marry though uh, that's fine um but yeah she's doing good uh, and and still we don't talk about it you know we don't talk about mental illnesses we don't talk about depression um and we label people we label people a lot if someone is going through a rough phase so yeah um that's what prompted me to take this up and and why not why not should i take this up because it's a very personal issue and doesn't matter you know engineering even even people do mba after engineering how is management related to engineering you know we can ask this question but still we will ask this question more you know why psychology after engineering you know so it's the same thing you know uh, we don't really know how we start and where we end up even chetan bhagat ended up as a writer started out as engineer and then mba doesn't make sense why not he pursued a degree in english literature starting bachelor's right so yeah that's it. i think it's what matters to you and what's needed in the world sort of you, if you have heard this term ikigai it's a japanese term um so yeah i think it's where what the world needs and what matters to you huh? it's the intersection of that uh so as you said um often there is an illness in the family and it can be a tough situation and a cause of personal mental setback as well So how did you transform such a negative precondition and the situation to be the spark that led to your current career instead of letting it get to you as Okay well? so I um from the start like uh, since childhood I have been very quiet you can call me an extrovert and I am not very talkative um and uh like I can say that DTU contributed a lot in this um and that life skills I acquired I think it was in DTU um I also connected with spirituality like in DTU there was uh, a section of people who were interested in spirituality and, and they were discussing the Bhagavad Gita and they also helped me a lot like you know that group is very important and that i received that 
association I received in DTU uh, and nowhere else, right? So I think that is still very close to my heart and um, somewhere a purpose in your life protects you, it helps you and my support system was very strong like two sisters, two elder sisters, a very caring mother, a very protective father, I think what else one needs, right? To be to be strong enough, to be resilient enough, and and a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends because I am not talkative. So this uh, trait of listening was embedded in me from the start. Like I am a good listener, and and yeah. So I have improved a lot. Like uh, there is a difference between hearing and listening. But yeah, I think uh, I, even I had mental struggle, mental health struggles during my job. And and somehow uh, it's it's your social circle that helps you there, and and again the purpose why you are living and why you are continuing, uh, and and sort of spirituality too. So all these things helped me. I think all the factors that are protective factors they were present, like right, which has helped me throughout. I cannot be more thankful to the people around me and. Obviously, God. Yes, sir, definitely. Family support and support from your uh, friend group, and it, it it serves a great deal, especially when you're going through such a difficult phase. So, India is said to be one of the most uh, depressed countries in the world, according to uh, some statistics by the UN. And uh, many people here suffer from various mental health issues, but many don't get a chance to be very open about it because, as you said, uh, our society hasn't entirely accepted the notion of mental health issue. So, uh, as a country, where would you say we stand when it comes to the mental health scenario? And uh, for you, uh, what are the significant challenges you face and people of your profession okay. face? So that's a good question, actually. Um, our country has a lot of problems mental health is one of them and you know we have been blessed with a lot of good things um, such as uh, deeper roots in spirituality like you know the west borrows uh, that part from us and and they have accepted mindfulness meditation so wholeheartedly and we don't practice it much they have accepted yoga and you know so I don't know why we, uh, why you see only elderly people in a yoga class in the park in the morning, right? I don't know why it happens. Even when I used to um, visit there, I was the odd one out. Like, and I don't know why we don't emphasize so much uh, on self care. I don't know why, uh, you know, in in maybe around 2000s there was a subject called life skills creative skills uh, moral skills but now life skills is not being studied in schools i don't know why uh, in us there's this communication class in in schools so they are focusing on the right things they are borrowing the good things from us and we have all the good things and we are not utilizing it right um, empathy, empathy should be included in the school curriculum and it is not there. We are not talking about empathy, right? Uh, we have had great leaders like Mother Teresa who teaches, uh, who taught us compassion. We have Dalai Lama who uh, tells us to be more kind, right? But hardly we practice this in our daily lives. Uh, even even our parents they they look down upon us when we tell them that you know i am facing an issue with my friends or i am not happy with this you know they just they sometimes tell you that you know deal with it right or compromise or adjust and uh, they they also sometimes label you so so the social structure has become such that um the youngsters, the youth is not very open and and but somehow slowly we have to create this environment, this safe space uh, where where uh, 
people can actually share very openly about these things and i think seminars should happen uh, and they'll they'll be of great help uh, and we know there are so many people who are happy outside but but there is an inner storm inside right there is there is a sense of hollowness inside there is there are a plethora of conflicts inside and somehow we are taking it till we make it i think that has to change a lot and we can't go like this right we have to accept first of all that there is a problem we have to unmute ourselves and we have to find someone who we trust and reach out right um struggles uh, are there in the life right they'll be there they'll be consistently there and we can't do without each other right so find someone who you trust and open up and express right Uh, that will help that will help instead of just pushing the problem down right so yeah i think acknowledging that there is a problem is the first step to solve the problem and we can do it we are a country that has all the potential we have everything right you know we just need some direction All right, sir. So, as we talked about uh, the condition of our educational institutions, for example, uh, when I was in school, uh, mental health was not something that we talked about as actively as we do in the past two, three years, and it was something that I discovered when I came to college. So, um, as you're saying, our country's youth is increasingly falling prey to mental health issues, but due to the current status quo, they are not receiving proper treatment. So, uh, based on your experience, what st- what are some steps that we can take to ensure a robust mental health infrastructure at our educational institutions or even our workplaces to ensure that the people who are a part of the workforce or a part of the uh, edu- uh, education system uh, get benefited and do not have to face the brunt of the stereotypes that we have been carrying. That's a that's again a very good question very insightful um thank you for asking this um so yeah what should be done what should we do um yeah everything boils to this so uh we have around um one psychologist for around 3 lakh of population so the manpower is not enough that's the state of mental health right the budgetary allocation of financial resources that's not enough i don't need to see the numbers i know it's not enough so what to do so each one of us has to come forward and become more kind now now how would that be possible so trained psychologists should come forward and they should give the basic listening skills to everyone okay uh this is called something called task shifting right so the basic minimum skill set that is required uh that enables someone to listen to each other actively and be more kind i think that is where the solution lies right i know instantly whole curriculum won't change and psychology is not a very financially rewarding uh, career and does not uh, provide very good financial rewards when you join this career and uh, that's why you know not many people are interested first of all um uh, uh, the uh, so there are a pro- lot of problems and we don't need to get into that like what is the problem right uh so this is where the solution lies like more trainings on empathy and active listening by those who are trained psychologists who who are aware of the disorders so that um so um i can say this because 
uh, while I was uh, in my master's of psychology, uh, I did an internship in Tihar jail and they were trained in mental health first aid or psychological first aid. Now this focuses, this technique focuses on three principles, look, listen and link. I'm not getting into the details, but uh, in simple words, we have to look out for what the person needs, the person in stress, right? The person in distress. Now that's in jail, that's a jail inmate. So what would they need? They would need some emotional support because they are separated from their family, right? They might be having suicidal thoughts. How should I approach those thoughts when they share Okay, they'll start sharing very openly that I want to die, right? How should I respond to this question? So, all of this is actually listen. So, look. Look out for what they need. They need a listening ear. They need a compassionate heart. Listen to them, right? Actively listen to them and link. Link to them to the resources they need. Maybe they need a psychiatrist. They need medicines, right? This decision is taken by the listener, right? So this listener is trained in psychological first aid and is aware of very basic skills and who can take good decisions and support emotionally the person who is in need uh, uh, during uh, crisis, during the emotional turmoil that they are going through, right? So I think this is called PFA, Psychological First Aid. Uh, WHO has guidelines for this technique. And if this is implemented everywhere in schools, workplaces, and there are listeners, listeners all around, I don't think we need uh, to worry about the stigma, right? If most of us are listeners, we don't need to worry about the stigma and even people will not shy away or will not hide uh, what they are going through, right? So yeah, I think this is where the solution lies. More active listeners. Sir, so as you were saying, you were talking about uh, how, you know, we can eventually be able to battle this stigma associated with mental health. Uh, but uh, apart from that, you were also talking about how one may be happy on the outside but might be struggling on the inside. And uh, when it comes to this, uh, many people suggest, especially the elders, they suggest uh, as a remedy to this that yoga and meditation is the prevention and the cure to mental health issues. So uh, do you think this is also a stigma or what are your comments on this? Right. So, okay. Yeah. So everyone around you will advise you something. We are all firefighters by nature, right? We have an instant solution, you know, like a two-minute Maggie noodle. Okay, like take this and you'll be all right. Do this and you'll be all right. But that doesn't work. That doesn't work because I don't know what you want, right? Do you need meditation? Can you do meditation? I have not asked this question. I have not asked these questions, right? Uh, so what you need actually, right? maybe you need just a conversation, maybe you need someone to listen to you, maybe you need a medicine so that you have a better and sound sleep, right? What do you actually need? If you are hungry, I'll give you a burger. If you are thirsty, I'll give you some water, right? So, okay, yoga meditation is being suggested but it is not everything right and what if the person is not at all willing to do that right it's possible we are all made unique and if problems are unique even the solutions are very individualized right so one size won't fit all so it's easy very easy to give the solution and very hard to listen to someone to have a quality conversation, I think that will help more. And uh, I think that will let you know what does the person need. 
and what if they know the solution you just have to walk with them for them to reach the solution right they just need a safe space frankly speaking and they know the answer they are a better expert at their life and at the last if they need an advice then already you are advising so yeah keep that for the last as the last straw right yoga and meditation and what not going to a therapy room right? uh, keep that for the last it should not be the first thing all right sir sir so as you talked about being an expert in the field of mental health so uh, over the past years you've had a lot of different experiences at different places and currently you're working as the case manager at the autism center for excellence so so what exactly does your position entail and what are some of your day to day responsibilities and what can a person who gets into this uh, career can expect from expect initially right um so autism is a neurobiological disorder and um individuals with autism okay we don't call them autistic we call them individuals with autism so they are very different like we are very social so there are there are impairments in social communication um in these individuals so again they'll not give you a very good eye contact they may not smile at you when you smile at them they may not extend a handshake when you give your hand to them but they have feelings right and you know working with them has been a very special experience for me it's very rewarding and i think everyone should do it <laughs> so yeah jokes apart um so my daily roles and responsibilities include um so i am a case manager for one particular student so for autism the therapy that works is called applied behavioral analysis um that is actually behavioral therapy uh and it is a very data driven approach and and we have an individualized educational plan which is a year long plan and we have this for every student uh, who is present at autism center for excellence and we have some goals so we can have 10 to 15 goals for a year we can have more goals as the child progresses and um so we focus on those goals and we have some sub objectives and we actually make the children skilled in those particular goals like the goal can be communication so like i said just responding to a particular question maybe what is your name right they may they may not know initially how to answer that and we we actually teach them using applied behavioral analysis so the daily roles and responsibilities are actually taking data are actually measuring process uh, progress uh, tracking tracking progress uh, like what where has the child reached in terms of learning um, there are a lot of challenging behaviors like the children with autism um, they may be very um, hyperactive they may jump around they may not listen to you they may lie down on the floor and these are things that everyone in their childhood might have done just that um, the in- intensity or duration might be more sometimes and you know everyone has an emotional meltdown right so they have a different way of expressing their emotions and so we have guidelines for challenging behavior like if crying happens what we are supposed to do we have operational definitions of crying what is how is crying defined right uh so all this is defined very clearly and we have to follow the guidelines so it's a very um uh, structured approach you can say and uh, so we are responsible for the 
progress in one child so we have to decrease the challenging behavior and we have to increase adaptive behavioral skills like communication so this is one example yeah okay sir so you talked about how you use a data driven approach in your current practice so uh, studying uh, in the introduction engineering at dtu must have been a vastly technical field since we spent 4 years dealing with numbers and figures so how has your knowledge as an engineer helped you in your career as a psychologist how does one go from having a very logical career path to one that primarily deals with uh, emotions and other intangible feelings okay i'll be very honest in this answer uh, the data driven approach used in this field is not very technical uh, as technical as it was in engineering so not much of that is of use uh, yeah i have to be very frank in this so uh, i think um, what i learned from engineering was um, i think how people are and how they are all different and how we have to somehow accept them irrespective of their behavior right whatever they do like i have had um you know arguments with some people in in engineering like you know i was a very studious child in my first year and okay one person was taking initiatives for a mass pump right and somehow we have to toe the line like okay let's do a mass bunk even if you don't believe in a mass bunk and you're very you want to attend that class i was that student in first year sorry to say but i think from second year things changed and i became that student which would start talking let's do a mass bunk <laughs> so yeah that changed because you know this transition from school to college this teaches you a lot and you are in this new space suddenly so i think in psychology yes emotions play a very important role and again we have to be very observant of what uh is the other person feeling so this is actually a life skill and you call it emotional intelligence that you know how is the other person feeling and i have to behave in the same way i have to respond in the way uh, that they would feel okay right uh, i don't have to be that person who is like a walking thorn and with my words with my actions hurting others right so yeah interacting with students i think it's the best thing uh, that engineering does to you you know the more the interactions the more you learn about people about emotions so yes i think throughout life we do that so not particularly engineering so yeah i think um, observing observation helps a lot and i have been this observant person uh, all along yeah i observe a lot um okay so so uh so we hear a lot about uh, uh this uh 20th century psychologists uh, skinner jung freud pavlov uh, we hear a lot about their theories uh many people study about it in uh, colleges and schools so uh, how much of their theories would you say is implemented to this day and uh, how much of their work is discredited right so i would say psychology was more applicable than engineering first of all and whatever we read in psychology books is relevant and the theories are relevant and we actually get to see them in real life we actually get to see the patterns the theories that are talked about and also i would like to say that it depends on person to person what kind of theories they believe in everyone has a different path like some would like believe in behaviorism the like you mentioned ivan pavlov right and skinner so and some would not some would just say that client centered approach is better like the rogerian approach is better right right so these are different waves in psychology and some would you know stick to freud and they would uh, invest their time studying 
interpretation of dreams and that excites them so it's all about what you believe in and what the person needs right so what works today is an eclectic form of psychotherapy which is a mix of all right you don't actually stick to one particular approach you uh like you're making a dish and you take some salt from one container and some spices from another and that's what prepares a good dish or a supportive environment so the idea is the person who has come to you should be benefited should be listened to and and should be treated in a very ethical way right um and mental illnesses are treatable they they should not be stigmatized and they are not lifelong conditions that one time it sticks it sticks throughout no right uh, so it is the eclectic form that works and everyone has a bent towards a particular wave like uh, especially i have seen in at my workplace autism center for excellence that people are more inclined towards behaviorism that you know so john watson started this behaviorism and uh, he told that give me um, toddlers and tell me what should i make them and i'll make them what you say right if you want me to make them a doctor i'll make them a doctor if you want me to make them a lawyer i'll do that using behavioral science right and some may not believe some may, some may believe that free will is important and everyone has an independent choice so so yeah it depends on what you believe in right and you can believe both of them like you know free will also exists and behavioral science also exists to a part everyone everything has a role to play right i think it's a mix of all uh it's not one particular thing that works uh okay sir so that was uh, about the 20th century uh, ideologies so uh, coming to a more current scenario so right now we're going through a pandemic something uh, of this sort that we've never gone through before and uh, covid-19 has affected the mental health of many people in ways we never thought of and uh, i also noticed that you're working as a tele men- mental health counselor at covid response so uh, what kind of situations do you deal with in this role and what would you say is the difference in supporting people via phone or digital mediums as compared to in person counseling and also how would you suggest uh, we people can take care of our mental health during such a stressful time right so covid response uh, was actually a very good initiative of i think two to three ngos that came together and because we all knew that people are facing mental illness before this pandemic happened and they will be facing it afterwards and certainly it has been up 30% all of the anxiety depression even domestic violence has been up right the financial stress is up because many people lost their jobs they are looking for alternative jobs alternative careers uh, right so everything is happening the insecurity has just shot up so we know this has been a problem and again people are not talking right they are invested in their phones right they are playing games they are interacting with uh, uh their digital devices they are watching more tv and what is been shown on tv how many covid cases are there how they are increasing right and why should you wear a mask right and how many times you should uh, wash your hands and for how much time so certainly covid has uh, uh been good in terms of it has made the hygiene the center point right so but again there have been a lot of damages done a lot of lives have been lost so covid response included us reaching out to those who were initially in the initial phase it was those who were not very well off and who were in financial stress uh, or there were people who were separated from their families and 
um, one of their family member had COVID positive, and there was one another um, branch of people wherein students who were in uh, were studying in government schools they did not have uh, online access to classes, and their some of their peers had. So I think that all of that has some amount of pain in financial insecurity there is pain right how would i take care of my family right how would i i be able to procure milk for my little child right uh, in case of people separated um, because of covid there will be separation anxieties uh, there will be insecurities like how is their health what if what if they succumb to covid right uh, in students there will be uncertainty when will my exams be held what about my career so you actually can't take note you actually can't measure the pain right it is immense you can't imagine how they are feeling exactly right so so over the call the call is on average about 20 minutes so we actually took note of how they are sleeping how they are feeling uh, so someone reaching out to them in times of distress works wonders like they know that someone is caring for them and someone from the government right so there was anger towards the government and i think that was because not Uh, enough uh, managements were being made, and everyone had complaints. Obviously, no one can do a perfect job. Even governments are not perfect, uh, especially in this extraordinary situation. And it is said that you know they took extraordinary measures, but still, it is not enough, right? And we have to fend for ourselves, and we feel emotionally deprived, right? more than social distance there was this emotional distance that was created we were not meeting friends we were not going out right that social life ended for some months right so naturally that the needs were there right the needs to belong to a group the needs to talk to someone the needs to connect to a human right an actual human connection obviously family is there and uh, people were fortunate to spend more time with the family but still right some a stranger talking to you wanting to know about your health your mental health it actually touches our heart right so most of them actually thanked us right at the end of the call and asked us okay sir aap to theek ho na and aap kaise ho आपने हमारा तो पूछ लिया तो या दैट्स व्हाई इट्स इट्स वेरी गुड आई थिंक इट्स दिस एक्सपीरियंस कैन नॉट बी रिप्लेस्ड बाय एनी एक्सपीरियंस एंड एवरीवन इज हेल्प्ड इवन आई एम हेल्प्ड बाय टॉकिंग टू दैट पर्सन बाय आस्किंग अबाउट हाउ दे आर डूइंग राइट सो जस्ट लिसनिंग आई थिंक लिसनिंग वैलिडेटिंग देयर इमोशन ओके you feel sad yeah you feel sad right things are uncertain yes they are just repeating the same line that goes a long way right so um i think covid response did a great job and striked at the root because sometimes uh, physical problems um are caused due to mental health issues and we know uh hypertension is a big factor in heart attacks right so yeah i think this cannot be ignored and uh covid response ensured right that it was not ignored uh, secondly the second part of your question was how is phone call different from a face to face conversation obviously it cannot replace but again there's a big difference right a uh, call is easier to make we don't have to show our face uh right we don't have to actually tell someone 
right that we are calling sometimes the call can uh, take place in anonymity and we are in our room sitting right talking to our friend right we don't have to inform someone in our family uh, when we are on a phone call right we just take the phone call for therapy for face to face counseling we have to inform our family at least one friend would know that we went to therapy we have to arrange finances maybe we are not financially independent there is a lot more number of steps that are involved when you actually decide to go for counseling and text uh, or calls are easier comparatively or less threatening you can say text is the less least threatening you can say you know text is instant like instant messaging right so i have had experience of text i am still um a suicide prevention responder at i am alive um so uh, in that place uh, mostly it is text and in covid response it was calls and i am also practicing at a clinic so i i am in connection with all the modes and i feel text is the least threatening right and more accessible i think um uh, the world mental health day which was on 10th of october it, the theme was mental health for all greater access and greater investment i hope i am saying it right yeah so access is important right now yes sir definitely and uh, as you were mentioning uh, you not just doing one thing right now you are uh, doing multiple things the covid response uh, suicide prevention hotline and given the nature of the work you're doing uh, you know helping patients deal with their personal experiences and challenges so do you ever get burned out and if you do how do you end up dealing with it and is it sometimes uh, difficult for you to separate yourself and your emotions from the work you're doing right very good question and thankfully fortunately um i have not burned out yet and hope i don't burn out in the future um a self care plan should be mandatory while you're dealing with people all around um who are facing emotional distress yes sometimes it gets to you right but somehow preparing for it okay now i am going into an environment like this and uh, you know that sort of mental preparation that you do um just 5 minutes before uh, the call the chat or the counseling session prepares you right um secondly what is your self care plan how do you care for yourself like for me it's uh, it's about like spirituality is a big part of my self care plan i i take god's names that helps a lot i think that's that's a part of devotion i practice but that actually ends up helping me in this uh you know absorbing uh, like like a sponge all of the distress right and i'm able to derail it and derail from from the situation nicely after after the chat ends or the call ends or the conversation ends right so that has been pretty easy and again uh, i have people to talk to so i as soon as i feel a very small amount of stress getting to me i quickly message i never shy away from messaging right many counselors actually go for therapy right um so yeah even we are human and will be affected and everyone is affected right um but what plan you have for yourself i think that's that's very protective and um yeah um if you are kind to someone be kind to yourself right um there are different ways to be kind to yourself and um sometimes we become harsh so yeah keep a check on that but yes com- uh, compassion along with compassion comes compassion fatigue uh so make sure that if there is a there is an aspiring psychologist listening to this um 
evaluate whether you are getting fatigued or you have a satisfaction, right? Is it compassion satisfaction or compassion fatigue, right? After that call ends. If it's satisfaction, you're on the right side and keep doing what you're doing. If you are actually tired, get some rest. So the current generation uh, has a lot of new age definitions of self-care as you were talking about self-care before. So what do you think of these methods of self-care? Or do you think they are a personal choice or do you think they're just uh, methods of distractions that uh, the current generation is using? That's a very nice question. Um, Self-care has actually two sides, like you mentioned. Um, okay, so I want to say this out loud that not everyone is resilient enough to face the struggles of life. Um, yes, we get tolerant to stress. Our stress tolerance increases over time, but what if one crumbles under the same stress? Right? And crumbles so much that it becomes a very serious mental illness, right? What then? You know, the same time would be wasted and precious life years would be spent in getting back to normal functioning. Right? Sometimes um, we don't need to, we cannot instantly acquire those skills needed uh, in the situation, right? Like you said, we have to deal with this in the hard way, right? What if that hard way is not possible, not realistic for that person? So it's a very individualized thing. That's that's why self-care is not, I don't have a definition. I don't remember the, de the definition of self-care. It's because it's different for everyone, right? For someone, it is actually preparing so that I don't face the similar situation in the future, right? For example, I don't, I change my jobs very instantly. I work one place for a month, then I change. I don't have the patience to see whether it works for me or not, right? I'm, I'm a little impulsive and reactive. And, and whenever I see someone criticizing me, I just run away from the place. Now, what would be self-care for me? A self-care for me, can we actually developing the patience, right? How would I develop the patience? <laughs> Difficult, right? For someone who is going through this phase, would find it very difficult to, uh, you know, actually know how to develop patience, right? But yes, if they get time to contemplate, right, again, contemplation has a downside. We tend to overthink, right? Everything has a downside. Yeah, that's that. So, um, if they contemplate or talk with someone, right, uh, and see their problem very objectively that, okay, I am not spending too much time in, in a workplace. What are the reasons for that? Right. Maybe I tend to make conclusions too fast. So it's generally um, how we perceive the situations that is not the best thing and if that is corrected the situation the same situation becomes easy right it's how you perceive things i think that's the secret uh, and self-care works uh, you know when you say that you know you actually go for distractions and just escaping the situations maybe that is self-care maybe you know, I'm not saying that is a permanent solution and it will prepare you for life, but it can prevent you from getting mentally ill, right? Which can destabilize you from even normal functioning, normal day-to-day -day functioning, right? So to think clearly, you need to function um, at a certain level, right? I know normal and abnormal the lines are very blurry and we can't say what is normal, right? 
but if distractions are bringing to that normal level bringing to your normal i think that's okay we should not be too harsh and you know tell them that okay you should prepare instantly or you should acquire those traits right that's a hard task it requires help it's not a one man job you can't do it alone right um so again people may not be very self sufficient they might have to depend on others even for their self even for their self care plan right um so yes self care plan can include you talking to someone you getting help and in, it can include distractions so it's a it's a big spectrum see it as a spectrum not a single thing right and it works differently for different people depending on what they want Right? What if they don't want to prepare for life? They don't think this way, right? They just want to get away from the situation. That's okay, right? Isn't it? It's fine, right? I know there are uh, over the lifespan there are a lot of pressures on you, right? And I'm not saying run away from those pressures and. Uh, distract yourselves to separate yourselves from those pressures but sometimes when you are stressed out take a break i think that's not running away and what if that break that you know that strategic time out you know ipl is going on so what if that strategic time out helps you it's like a time out a name self care as strategic time out today <laughs> i think that would work right then you don't have to be productive all the time in this covid also there's this force that everyone has to be productive you know don't spend too much on screens and so so many things like you know attend webinars do this do this you know a long list i don't think that's needed you can be unproductive that's allowed All right, sir. Uh, sir, sir, this has been a very enlightening session, and it has been great talking to you. And uh, one thing that I would like to ask is that: is there anything that you would like to suggest to people who are thinking of making such a career shift, just like you did? Specifically, uh, is there uh, any piece of advice that you would like to give to someone who wants to become a psychologist? Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay, for those aspiring to become a psychologist, um, masters in psychology is the basic minimum. So, preferably get it from uh, like a regular degree. A lot of universities do that. Um, Delhi, a lot of colleges in Delhi University. There are distance options available. That's also fine. um but make sure uh, you like in engineering to learn something you just don't need to read that you need to apply that so internships are super important uh, where you get to practice where you you know look at it very closely right so whatever degree you acquire masters or um mphil in clinical psychology Uh, makes you a clinical psychologist right gives you a registration number also right it's a, it's a very um you can say specialized course and uh, happens in around 20 colleges across india total seats are around 290 or 300 so yeah competition is tough there but i think masters you can do definitely so start with this and see for yourself whether you are made for this or not right um i know it looks very rewarding uh, uh i should tell you that it's not very financially lucrative so don't come here if you want to you know earn a lot right don't join this if you earn a lot good but don't join this for that right um i know um uh, that is one of the motivation but join this if you think you can contribute to this field right and a lot of you 
are needed in this field right that i can tell uh, so there is a dearth of professionals who are actually qualified who are actually trained uh, in this country and still there is stigma right i think you should take this up you found this conversation enlightening my name is anushka raj and with me is pratiksha pradhan thank you for listening credits for editing this episode go to shanal bhile do subscribe follow us on facebook instagram and linkedin to get notified about the upcoming new episodes and stay tuned to the podcast as we bring forward insightful conversations with people from all walks of life. See you in the next episode.